0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Amateur Business Show. My name is Chris Petrona and today I'm here with Tim Carter, founder of Astabuilder.com, as well as author of The Roofing Ripoff. Now today, Tim is going to teach you how to never get skimmed again by contractors and he's going to tell you a dirty little secret from the roofing industry. So hold tight. Uh, we're going to go to a quick word from our sponsors and then we're going to roll right into this. So today's podcast is brought to you by self-authorship. Take a moment, head over to NHBusinessShow.com slash self-author um, for your opportunity to get two, two programs at one, so share with a friend. So NHBusinessShow.com slash self-author.
1: Hey, Chris, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's get started. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I know we were talking about this just now on our own, but let's get a good history and uh, we'll start from there.
1: Well, we'll start from like 100,000 feet up in the air because yeah. so, <laughs> we don't have a lot of time. So I I was born and raised in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I, uh, My college degree is in geology, and I didn't do that as a career. I decided to start my own business, and I did remodeling, and then I started building custom homes for about 20 years. And then in 1993, I got picked as one of the top 50 remodelers in the U.S., and I used that award to launch this media career that I have now because luckily, just before getting the award, I had figured out that if I continued down the pathway of building, because I was a tool belt builder. In other words, I lifted the boards yeah. and I wasn't you know, like a cell phone builder who just calls all the subs <laughs> and they do all the hard work. So I just knew that if I continued down that pathway, by the time I get to the, got to the age where I am now, I'd either be dead or I'd be crippled or because it's such hard work, really hard on your body. So then I, in 1993 is when I launched that Ask the Builder. I got a syndicated newspaper column and I, uh, it still runs today in about 60 papers. And, but I quickly discovered, you'll appreciate this. When I started the syndicated newspaper column, I quickly discovered that newspaper columnists don't make any money. Mm. (laughs) you, you know, you you uh, the publishers are making all the money. You know, the people who are selling all the advertising. So I thought, I need to be a publisher. And it was really hard to be a publisher in 1993. But in 1995, I saw the Internet for the first time, and it was an instant epiphany. And I could, if you, well, you're probably not really old enough to really appreciate what the internet was like back in 1995 but it was so basic but i knew instantly that it was going to be huge there was it was going to be huge and that you'd be able to make a living from it and that's what i do to this day so i make my living from askthebuilder.com
0: good now i do have some recollection of early <laughs> internet thank you very much but uh <laughs> but i mean it was so basic to yeah.
1: remember i mean you couldn't it would cripple the, you could not even think about emailing a one-megabyte file. Yeah. I mean, it would cripple the email system. You wouldn't be able to do it. It would be too... I mean, I remember using a 1,200-baud modem.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those little floppy disks. And yeah, all yeah, of exactly, yeah. right.
1: So, you know, no such thing as JavaScript. No, I mean, just... You, you couldn't even think of watching a video online. Yeah. There was not enough bandwidth. So, yeah. that's... I mean... You know, a lot of young people today—they have no real. They just don't realize what it was like. You know. Yeah.
0: So. And you know, like you were saying, it's it, it's advanced so much, um, just from you know, uh, it was it dial-up to everything, and you just have to plug into the phone jack, and it took forever. And well,
1: there was no Wi-Fi. Yeah. The, I mean, Wi-Fi didn't exist. I mean, I'm a ham radio operator. I mean, yeah. radio signals had vis- existed, but no one had figured out Wi-Fi yet. Yeah. So, I mean, people would go, "What?" you mean you had to be connected yeah
0: you all the time you had
1: to have a hard wire mm-hmm. yeah
0: Yep. Yeah. so it's pretty cool so, <laughs> yeah so uh let's get into this a bit yes um so ask the so let's talk a little bit about what you do because you said that there's a podcast but you do some other stuff as well
1: yeah so i w- t- yeah, so much yeah um <laughs> let's go we'll go back in time uh to 1994 and I started my own... You'll appreciate that because that's kind of what we're doing here. I did my own live two-hour call-in radio show, Home mm-hmm. Improvement Show in Cincinnati, Ohio. A lot of fun doing live radio. Five years later... And I did that show for about 12 years. Five years after that, in 1999, I started on television. I got hired by the ABC affiliate in Cincinnati to do a two-minute segment every week that they would play on their nightly news. And... Um, that was a lot of fun. So I got I, I got baptized into the field of videography. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up doing about two hundred videos with them and here's the cool thing. They did not recognize the power of the internet at the time. Mm-hmm. And as crazy as it sounds, they were just interested in using that segment one time only. They would play it one time, it would never run again. So I negotiated my contract that I owned the copyright on the on the items that, and that they would have to give me a finished post-produced tape of the segment that I was allowed to tag at the end myself. Yeah. In other words, I would have to tag it like I would say, and remember, if you want to uh, paint uh, your home, use a urethane house paint. I'm Tim Carter for Eyewitness 9 News. And if the videographer said, good, then I would go, Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. And remember, if you want to paint your house, use a really great urethane paint. I'm Tim Carter, askthebuilder.com. And they would then put that on my copy. Yeah. So that when I got mine, I wouldn't have the stupid Channel 9 news, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I then, in 19, well, actually, so in 2004, Google approached me because they had a thing called Google Video. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't remember that. And so they knew that video was coming to the Internet. Yeah. And so they were stunned that I already had 200 videos to upload. yeah well, then just a few months later, they bought YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I was the first YouTube home improvement partner, and uh, yeah. so I now have over 600 videos on YouTube. yeah so i I have all my past columns are on dot all my videos are on ask Uh there's literally I think there's maybe four thousand five hundred pages there. And I have ads that are on those pages, and of course, anytime somebody clicks an ad or whatever, then I get revenue so that's yeah. you know it's a it's a very neat model yeah. because I did not know this one you know with respect to a business because where this is a business show, if someone's trying to get into publishing on the internet the what I think you really want to try to get into is a business model where you can make money while you sleep, yeah. And I didn't know it at the time, but that's the business I'm in now. Because I may be asleep at four in the morning, and somebody's at the website clicking an ad. So pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that type of, you know, as you said, as you sleep, revenue is the way you want to go. Because right. you don't want to work, you know, because you can't work enough time usually to make it you know, comfortable. Right, right. <laughs> so you and I need I'm, that type of revenue.
1: Yes, and I and so now. About six, seven weeks ago, a friend of mine, uh, I helped start in 1999 a very secret, high-level mastermind internet group. Mm-hmm. And one of the members of that group approached me six weeks ago and said, Tim, hes he loves podcasts. And he said, um, I've been trying to find a really good home improvement podcast. And he said, they don't exist. And he, he had listened to my show. Mm-hmm. And he he said... You're, you've got to get back into this. You've got to get the equipment, you know, you've got to start a podcast because all the ones that are out there right now, all they're doing is they're taking radio shows like mine, like a standard terrestrial radio show, and they're just throwing it up on iTunes as a podcast. Well, those don't work really well, you know, as a podcast, you know, yeah. a traditional terrestrial radio show. So it really got my interest because I kind of missed being in front of the microphone. And... um boom within two weeks we had the first podcast up
0: that's really good. so it's fun so yeah so let's, let's jump into this a little bit um what type of questions do you guys get like because you said you have a podcast you answer a
1: lot of questions you get a lot of things from the audience you, you so. name it i mean i can read one right now i get them all the time sure, i mean it, so let's uh that's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean I'll, that's a great question by the way so let's um i'll show you one that just came in as i was driving here so let's um um always they're always great questions so um, here's one here's actually one from a woman that I am going to call her today she's going to be on the podcast Mm -hmm. this was a really good question so she it's a woman named Sue she's from uh, Burr Ridge Illinois and she says hey Tim the large siding boards on the side of our house have developed holes and are peeling some holes I believe were caused by birds pecking at the siding I don't know the cause of the peeling my question is who fixes a problem like this and how so the the who is pretty easy, but the how is not so easy if she wants to get it done right. So that's like a that's that's like one question. Here's um uh here's another one. So uh this guy uh, oh this is a really good one. He's actually on <laughs> next week's podcast. Yeah. This was such a good one. And this is really relevant for people here in New Hampshire. Yeah. So his name's Bob, and he's from Roscoe, New York, and he wrote in, he said, because I rely on well water, think how many people, you know, up above north of Manchester on wells, just about everybody. Mm -hmm. I have never used fertilizers or weed killers on my lawn for fear of these products contaminating the the water supply. Is my fear realistic or unwarranted? Are there well water safe alternatives? Thanks, and keep up the good work. So that, I mean, look at the Anything you can think of about a house, whether it's roofing, concrete, flooring, paint, that's the kind of questions I get.
0: That's pretty cool. And those are fantastic questions. Like just thinking about giving the audience a place to go to actually right. uh, find an answer to some of these things that maybe they'd be scared to ask someone because they think they would look stupid. And but
1: you, you can just reach out and be like, oh, hey, you know, what about this? And <laughs> well, well, the other thing is that they have to be careful of it. I think that is, I, I don't know how to say this and not sound pretentious <laughs> or to beat up on anybody. Yeah. But the last place you want to go for advice, which is unfortunately what many people are doing, is they go to these big box stores. And I'm not going to mention their names. And they walk in and there's somebody there with an apron on and they ask that person for advice. And And they may follow that advice, but they don't think, what kind of background does this person really have to know? In other words, let's just say the person with the apron is working in the aisle where there's ceramic tile. And the customer comes in and, and says, how do you put this tile down? I mean, the question I would ask the guy first would be, how many ceramic tile floors have you installed in your life? And if he goes, none, then I'd go, okay, thanks. I want to ask, why would you want to ask somebody how to do something if they've never done it? Yeah. So you have to be real. And I'm one of the few people in the media. That's the cool thing. There are many, many other websites out there, like home improvement websites, people doing home improvement video, all these shows on HDTV. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? 90% or more of those people have never done the work. Yeah. So why would you want to trust them? That's
0: hmm, That's true. And you like said even with a lot of personalities, it's a lot of oh they look good, they're good at speaking. Yep, cool. We can we can prep beforehand like you we were talking about y- earlier. Yep, on. absolutely. Cool, we get them answers to answers all these questions, and we can make it look good.
1: Well, I'll give you an example. one of the, One of the peop- one of one person in our group, and he started back when I did. So everybody thinks, and God bless him, because he was great on TV. Everybody thinks that Bob Vila is this great home improvement expert. Mm-hmm. If you go read his biography, God bless him. He did virtually no hands-on work ever. Yeah. Ever. Because you just look at his biography and the timeline and by the time he was in his late 20s is when he started as the host of the first season of this old house. Yeah. And then once it took off like wildfire, he didn't he never hammered for a customer himself ever again. So how much life experience does does he have actually doing everything? Yeah, yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question. I, I mean, mean, like, definitely. would you want? I mean, do you really want to get a crown? Like, a, let's let's go to another field. Let's say you have to have a, got a crown on your th- Do you really want to go get the crown from the dentist who just graduated from dental school a month ago? I don't know about you, but I that's not who I want to put my crown on. It's probably <laughs> not a safe, safe. Well, dad. it's just that they don't <laughs> have they don't have enough experience. That's yeah. all. Not that they're not a good dentist, they just don't have enough experience. So yeah,
0: cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's pretty cool. So they, so people can just email you, come right on the show. Yep. Um, get answers to all these questions, and you generally answer them. You know, I, so I right? answer I answer all of them. And yeah.
1: I answer. I, I have a special page at the website. Uh, you just go to askthebuilder.com, and right at the top, in the navigation or on your phone, you'll see one that says Ask Tim. And there's just a form there. You just fill it out. And um, and and the th- here's the trouble. Most not all, m- many of the questions are complex, and because of the volume of questions I get coming in, um, I can't answer. I can't answer them all in great detail. Yeah. It's just because everybody's situation is different. So for years I've offered a phone consulting service. So. If your problems, if you want to talk to me on the phone, I don't care if you live. I don't care where you live because we can do it. I've talked to people in Australia, you mm-hmm. know, using Google Hangouts or Skype. Um, you can you can hire me for just 15 minutes at a time, and I, we'll talk on the phone and I'll tell you exactly what to do. Um, you know, so there's all I do. I actually do in-person consulting. I mean, it's hard. I mean, if, if you want to fly me out to California, I will. You can fly me to California, and yeah. I will consult for eight hours um, I just did a consult three weeks ago for a guy up in uh, Belmont you know yeah. it was a three hour consult and um, so I do I do, the answer is yeah I answered a lot of questions yeah and I'll even come to your house you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool um, so in the repair industry yep I could see this with contractors because finding your contractors is damn atrocious <laughs> it's hard yeah And then you get a reputation. So this, I guess this is a good area, finding good contractors, finding good and reputable um, people to work on your home. Mm -hmm. Do you have any good tips for the audience about this? Absolutely. (laughs) It's,
1: it's, it's so easy. You can't believe it. And it's, it's like right in front of your face, but you don't realize it. So if you let's, let's give an analogy for like hunting. I'm not really a hunter. But I can tell you this, that if I decided I was going to become a hunter, well I'll tell you what's really good because I'm from the lakes region Mm Fishermen. So you talk to anybody who's a good fisherman and they really get fish all the time where you would start to wonder, do they just randomly go out into the lake or along the river and throw their line in? The answer is no. Because they know where the fish hang out or they know where the fish eat. And They know what the fish eat because that's the type of bait they put on. Okay, so if you wanted to find a really good contractor, why don't you go where the contractors eat, per se? So what do contractors eat? And I'm not really talking food like steak and things like that. So they go to the really good contractors. Here's what I'll tell you for a fact. The good, great contractors do not buy their materials from the big box stores where the people wear the aprons. Mm-hmm. They go to places like up near me. Uh, we've got Middleton Lumber and Supply, the old fashioned traditional lumberyards. So if you want to find a good contractor, you go to the lumber yard, you go at either 10 in the morning or two in the afternoon. That's really important to go to those times because at 10 and at two, where are the contractors at? They are at the job site. That's where they're supposed to be working. So the lumber yards are usually not too busy mid-morning, mid-afternoon. You then go in, you go ask for the general manager, because the general manager knows what? He knows who the slime bags are, who don't pay their bills, who come in drunk, who buy the crappiest materials, and vice versa, the general manager knows who the best guys are. So what do the... Let me tell you as a contractor, having done it for 20 years, I can tell you that I discovered early on the biggest way, the fastest way to go out of business as a contractor is to do things wrong or have products fail where I have to come back and fix them over, which may cost me thousands of dollars out of my pocket. So if you're a really good contractor, you go, you know what? I'm going to use the best materials on this job and I'm not paying for them. See, that's what a lot of people don't understand. In other words, the homeowner, if a good contract, like if you hire me to build your home and I say, okay, this is my bid mm-hmm. and these are the products I'm going to use. And if you accept the bid, you're paying for the materials, not me. Yeah. Okay, so I'm only going to use the good stuff. So to make a long story short, go to the lumberyards, go at 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, talk with the general manager and say, look, I know you know who the best contractors are. They buy the best materials. They pay their bills on time. They don't come in drunk. And they really care. And they're they're the only guys that you, and you point at the general manager, that you would have come work on your home. Who are they? And they'll almost all go, oh, yeah. Here's the three names. Yeah. That's how to do it.
0: That's really good because that is a question that I see asked all the time because um, I roll around a lot of in uh, in like in home investors and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and that question is asked all the time. Right. So that's uh, super, super it, good.
1: But, it, but look how simple <laughs> it is when you think about it. Yeah. It's like, oh, the answer is like right in front of you because- there are other people who know who the experts are. Mm-hmm. You know, just like with healthcare, like if you have your own primary care physician. So if you have a real if you really trust your primary care doctor, you already know that he knows who the best orthopedic guys are because if your primary care doctor falls and breaks his wrist, he doesn't want to go to some loser, right? Yeah. yeah. So he already knows. So so you want to know who the best heart surgeon is or the best orthopedic guy? Go to your primary care doctor and ask him. Hmm. Simple as that. It's not hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> cool. So th- this this leads into a good area because – let me talk about your book. So we've got roof off – roofing rip off. <laughs> i do that backwards. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about the book. Sure. And then – We'll talk a little bit why that worked in so well with uh, the scam section. Oh, sure. You bet. Okay.
1: <laughs> so uh, about just about a year ago, I published my first real book. Uh, it's called Roofing Ripoff. You know, why your asphalt shingles are failing and what you can do about it. Mm-hmm. I uh, became, it, it happened because my own roof, I, I moved here to New Hampshire 10 years ago. The house that I purchased was only about nine years old. And it had a 30-year shingle on it. And it was a big, heavy, dimensional shingle. And it was in really great shape at the time. I noticed within about three or four years that it's, the roof started to look kind of bad. And I thought, well, that's odd. We're not even halfway through its life. And then it started to fail catastrophically. And I, um, what happened is, this is really kind of interesting. So being a syndicated newspaper columnist for the past 25 years, I've discovered long ago that if I if I call an association if I say I'm going to write a column about this, I that people like they're all over me because they're getting free advertising. And I know how to ask questions and blah blah blah. So I I I knew I had to replace my roof. So I'm up there tearing the roof apart and and uh The shingles were in such bad shape. One day I got really upset and I thought, you know what, I am going to find out what is going on because this is not right. And I had also seen ads in the local newspaper, the Weir's Times, from a roofing company that would help you do warranty claims. In other words, they were actually running an ad. There were so many bad roofs in central New Hampshire, they're running an ad saying, we will help you get your warranty claim taken care of. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's like a giant red light. So how blessed am I to have my syndicated newspaper column? I write a column about it that goes nationwide, and I um, because I just wanted and I created a form at my page. I wanted to find out is the problem just in New Hampshire or is it everywhere? Well, guess what? It was everywhere, and I had hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people fill out that form. And they sent me photos to show me how bad their roofs were. And they told me their stories, very similar to mine. Like, wow, I've just bought a a roof. My roof in five years is falling apart. My roof in eight years, I had to replace it. I had to drain all my savings. I have no more money left because my roof went bad. It's like heart-wrenching stories. So I thought, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I I write 10 or 12 really tough questions. They're in the book. And I send them to the top three asphalt shingle manufacturers. Yeah basically there were tough questions and I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. And I told him, I said, if some of this stuff is trade secret, I understand you don't have to answer it. Two of the three refused to answer, said, no comment. We're not answering your questions. And the third one came back with answers, but they were all spin. You know, they had, it was just like, give me a break. The key thing that happened was the day that big national column ran, where I was asking everybody for help. I got an email in the afternoon from some, the first paper to run it was the Washington post and a person stepped forward and said, we need to have a conversation. And to make a long story short, I had a deep throat source very, very, very high up in the industry come forward because he was morally challenged about what was going on. And he agreed to a 90 minute interview that I was allowed to record yeah. Where he exposed everything that's going on, hmm. so everything in the book is true. Okay. Because I have yet to be challenged by the roofing manufacturers. Okay. Y- y- you know.
0: Yeah, and that's that's usually the first one of the first signs of. Yeah. It's Like oh we're oh are not like th- going after this because we're just not gonna we're gonna ignore it. Well, him. they
1: knew they were they knew that they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. And um, but the bigger thing was this. So big deal like what I mean we're powerless you and I are powerless against these monster companies if they decide that they want to make a really bad product and sell it so what are you going to do are you going to make your own shingles no so fortunately a little over two years ago as I was doing the research of the book I discovered totally by accident one day how the average person can make their asphalt shingle roof last for 40 years Mm -hmm. or 50 years to basically shove it up the you know the the asphalt shingle manufacturers you know what yeah all they have to do is put a strip of copper up on top of the roof it's all covered in the book and um if people want to read the first three chapters for free easy just go to roofing ripoff.com it's all there and um It's really a cool book because, and I've got all kinds of great photographs in it, and uh, I've got photographs. I was the first person in the world to discover that copper reacts chemically with asphalt, and it stops the asphalt molecules from cross-linking. If too many asphalt molecules cross-link and connect, what happens is they get real brittle, and that's why the shingles lose the granules. That's why they curl. So if you have copper coming down on the roof, the the asphalt stays very nice and soft and supple, and it doesn't degrade. Pretty cool hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: So anyone that wants that, you know, check that out. Like I said, do this again. Roofing ripoff right there. Go get it. Um, take a look at your roofs. You know. Again, that's something you really want to look at. Well, you you can.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, when you start to think that these roofs are costing, I mean, maybe an average roof job might be six, seven, eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and that for just three or four hundred dollars, you can put some copper up on top of the roof. And it's you have to get the right copper to save the money. You can go out and buy some copper. You may spend three thousand dollars on the copper, but I made a deal with a company, uh, in Maine. That actually makes this very, very thin copper that you can put on your roof that's very affordable. I sell it at, at my shopping cart, but you can buy it anywhere, it doesn't matter. But um but I've got I've got the best price in the United States on it. But it doesn't matter. Just that for just the average homeowner for maybe two, three hundred bucks can completely protect their roof forever. In their I mean their lifetime. That's all that matters. Yeah. So anyway, that's the good news, you know? yeah, so we can you know we can save people li- I mean save people thousands of dollars, you know? yeah so so that's pretty exciting.
0: Yes, that is very exciting. that is it's good to see, you know because you're right. sometimes we do run into we can't compete with you know these big manufacturers and you can't you can't really do much, but you have a voice, and you can at least make it known. And then, <clears throat> same here, that's what part of the show is what I do is highlight good companies, bring out the bad ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you have to, you can stand there and with your audience, you can do that and you can make the, you can make the difference.
1: Well, the so. uh, the way I look at it, Chris, is um, it, I just, it, it, what, what the asphalt shingle manufacturers are doing is it's not that it's illegal. In other words, you are allowed to make a crappy product if you want.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel that what they're doing, and this is what I say at the end of the book, is that they're, it's a very unethical process. yeah. And I, I've had a I was a real estate broker back in Ohio, and every three years you have to take continuing education classes. One of the mandatory classes that you have to take every three years is real estate ethics. Yeah. And the reason is is that ethics, I mean, you can get ethically challenged any day. you may, you may be ethical a year ago, but there may be pressure in your life now some type of pressure that financial that makes you do something that's not so good yeah. but it's but it's legal
0: mhm
1: there's a that's why ethics and law are two different words yeah so i just think that what they're doing is very unethical because yeah. they're they're making a product but they're saying it's going to last this long or they're selling you this warranty but in reality they know it's like there's no way it's going to make it that long yeah well that's wrong in my opinion you know Mm -hmm. just tell people just tell people maybe the shingles are going to last eight years yeah you know and then I'd be fine with it but that's not what they're doing Hmm. so that's why I wrote the book
0: yeah definitely cool so we're going to take quick I can't talk going to take a quick second to get away from our sponsors and then we're going to move on to some tips for the audience and stuff like that cool okay everyone hold on for just a moment so as I mentioned before I'm going on a little health journey so I'd like you all tag along with me as I go through the Ideal Health program with Stephanie Edwards, all right, and just give me a lot of fun. So we're going to we're gonna jump into this, we're going to lose a lot of weight, um, as of right now, I'm sitting at about 350, I know, I don't look it, <laughs> but we're going to jump in, we're going to lose a lot of weight, um, I'm hoping, hoping, I'm probably going to lose between 100 and 120 pounds, we'll see how that runs about by the end of the year, and with the... Uh, uh, gentle tutelage of Stephanie. We are going to do some amazing things. So I'm going to do a week-by-week program for everybody um, so they can follow along and see how much I've lost, you know, every single week. And it's going to be a ton of fun. We're all going to have a good time. So if you want to join us um, on this adventure, head over to NHBusinessShow.com slash Ideal and uh, let Stephanie know you want in on the program too. Join up and we're, we can all have we can all uh, get through this together. So let's do some things for the audience. Because I already asked about finding contractors, which was a great answer. But when you finally find the contractor, what type of questions should you be asking them to, you know, verify that they do know what they know and some of that little thing. Great
1: that that that's probably the you know, there's an old saying, Chris that the power is in the question. And okay. I'll give you an example of that today. I, this morning, overnight, I get a question from a homeowner. And he says, my dryer's in my basement. It vents out through the sidewall okay. and it vents and we build a deck and it, and for years it's vented underneath the deck. Like, who cares? Big deal. But then they recently transformed the deck into a three-season room. And his question was, can I continue to vent the dryer under the three seasons room. So I know what he's trying to ask. Yeah. But if I, I've I've done expert witness work for almost twenty years. My most recent case is I was on the roof of the Brazilian ambassador's house on the Caribbean island of Antigua. So I mean I, I even travel internationally huh. to do this stuff. If an attorney asked me a question like that, if he asked me that exact question, my answer would be, yes, you can do it. But if he would have said, is it a recommended practice or is it a good idea to vent the dryer underneath the three seasons room? Yeah, What do you think my answer would be? Probably not a good idea. No. (laughs) Bad idea. Bad idea. Okay, so that story is to tell homeowners, your homeowners that are watching, listening, you can't just ask any question. You have to ask the right questions. The only way and this is hard. This is this is why most people, this is why so many homeowners get taken to the cleaners because they are not willing to do the work. If you want to get if you want to know what questions to ask the builder, the right ones unf- let's i'll give you an example let's say you've decided you're going to switch out your old patio door this old nasty slider yeah. and you want to put in a beautiful new french door out onto your patio or out onto your deck so you hire a contractor give me a bid to put in this new french door and so they come back with their bids so how do you know if the contractor is going to do the job right? Okay, it's a rhetorical question. What you have to do, unfortunately, and it's very simple. Luckily, once again, because of the Internet, how lucky. I can tell you that 20 years ago, you could, it was so hard to do what I'm going to tell you, you couldn't believe it. But now it's click, 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 and it's done. Mm-hmm. You as the homeowner, if you're going to get a new French door put in that goes out under your deck... You have to go pick out the French door that you want first. That's very important. Don't let the contractor tell you which door to get. You go research it, you find the one you want. Then here's the most important thing. You go to the manufacturer's website, you download the installation instructions, and you read them. It's Trust me, they are easy to read. You know why? because they have to be written so that a person with an IQ of 80 or less can understand them because that's the IQ of many of the people putting in the french doors unfortunately <laughs> so it's not like you're reading this very complex technical document so now that you have read the french door installation instructions what instructions what do you know you know how it should be done the right way yeah Okay, so you can then bring the contractors over and then you can start asking them some mildly probing questions. Like you could say, can you explain to me how you're going to make sure that there are no leaks under the door? All right, because in the instructions, the manufacturer tells you exactly what you have to do to make sure no water leaks in. So see if the contractors describe what it says to do in the instructions if he just says oh we just run a bead of caulk underneath it you go thank you so much for stopping by today i really appreciate it and you show them to the door because it's obvious they don't know what to do yeah so that's those are the type you ask the questions about how the job's going to be done and it unfortunately requires a little bit of work on your part but you know what if you don't want to do the work if you don't want to invest that time it's okay it's only money don't worry about it it only means that you'll lose thousands and thousands of dollars. So, yeah. No, it's only money.
0: And it's funny because it goes back to the old adage of don't ask a question you don't know the answer to.
1: That's exactly <laughs> right. There you go. That's yeah. a really great point. Yeah. So you just have to do your work on it. I mean, and, and so it gets very complex the more complex the job gets, meaning if you're going to build a room addition because, you know what, there's a lot of moving parts. You know, I'll give you, I'll give you a really great example. So... Roofing, just roofing alone. Like if you have a chimney, if you have uh, a dormer sticking up out of your your roof, um, the roofers today, I I see all these guys doing it. They just take aluminum and they bend the aluminum at these corners and then they caulk it. Well, caulk is not a permanent roofing material. Yeah. It The sun degrades it. In the old days, we used to use tin plated steel and they would solder it that's a permanent bond or you can use copper thin copper and solder it or you can use lead and make flat folded lock seams flat lock seams yeah. so this is all information that's out there but so so you would ask you would ask the roofer you have to put new flashing on my chimney what what material are you going to use and if they say aluminum then you say thanks for stopping by. See, it's really that simple. Hmm. You know, so you just got to do some research.
0: Cool, awesome. Let's see, what was the next one? Uh, okay, things on your property that typically get overlooked that really shouldn't because they need to get maintained.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you know that's a really good one. The the biggest thing is is that on the outside of a a, a house, you, you have to just constantly be concerned about water. So water, we need water to live, but water just destroyed so many things outside so you know you you need to be really concerned about drainage you need to make sure that the ground around your home slopes away from the house Uh, i see all the time where homeowners have their roof down spouts just empty onto the ground right next to their foundation no you need to pipe that away from the foundation make it go 20 30 40 feet away um you like here in new hampshire anybody kind of north of the You know, Manchester, you know, those of us who have septic systems, you have to really watch your septic systems. You have to make sure uh, that you maintain it right. And maybe you've never been trained on what goes in a septic system or what shouldn't go in. Um, You know, but uh, just keep, you know, like in the spring, as soon as this wretched snow goes away, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it warms up. You know, you might want to walk around the house, look for gaps, you know, ca- you know, just just imagine that you don't want any water to get inside behind your siding or brick or whatever. So just look for places where water can get in. That's usually the biggest the biggest problem.
0: Okay. Good. That's awesome. So yeah, um so as we get ready to close this all out, what are some resources for people? Um, say they're looking around their homes and they need to repair something or they want to
1: do something around the house or they're trying to do anything, any resources for you? It's that, a wonderful, that's a great question. Uh, Chris, great, great question. The first thing I would love to see them do is come to my website. Of course, ask the mm-hmm. They should also subscribe to my free newsletter. You know, they should start to subscribe to the podcast because that's all, all my newsletter is all the podcast. It, it's just a constant stream of tips because as I answer a question, from somebody that, that you may go oh my gosh I have that same problem so here's the biggest tip of all It as you know you can go right now for $8 a month you can go to dreamhost.com you can buy a domain name from GoDaddy for less than 10 bucks a year mm-hmm. for $8 a month you can go to DreamHost or Bluehost and have a website up in an hour yeah Okay. <laughs> think of, think of a building like we're in right now. If you mm-hmm. decided I wanted to, you know, I want to be, I want to rent an office. I, well, you're going to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month to rent space. Okay. Yeah. So it costs, in other words, the point I'm trying to say is the barrier to entry on the internet is like a, a millimeter high. Anybody can start a website. Yeah. If you go, if you're out surfing the web you know, and you are, you stumble across some home improvement site and, and they've got a column about this topic. Like if you want to, here's the best paint to use or here, whatever it is. Yeah. The Don't even read the column. Stop right there. Just stop. Time out. Immediately look in the navigation. And if they have an about us page, I mean, you know what those are where you'll click it and you'll learn about the website. Yeah. If you cannot see the picture of the person who is creating the content and if you cannot, if they do not tell you in a few paragraphs their background, um, maybe that's not such a great place to go. Remember what we talked about earlier, how there are people who work in these big box stores that wear aprons yeah. who have never put in a tile floor, who have never put a roof on, who have never installed concrete. Yet you walk in there and you ask them how to do stuff. That's insane. Yeah. So if you land on a home improvement website, and this could go for any website about any advice. Yeah. If they cannot prove to you that they have done the work in paying. And here's the definition of a pro. What's a professional? A professional is somebody who offers services to another and gets paid for it. Yeah. That's a professional. Okay. So just because you happen, just because you drive a forklift, not that we love forklift drivers. We need them to bring us stuff. We need them to load trucks for us. Okay, cool. I used to drive one. Mm -hmm. But just because you're a forklift driver 40 hours a week and you happen to like home improvement and you happen to start your own website because you do home improvement projects around your home, that does not make you an expert. Yeah. Because you may be doing it wrong. A lot of people doing things wrong, but they think they're doing it right. Okay. So that's step one. Watch out when you're at other websites. Okay. They have to prove to you that the person creating the content has done the work as Mm -hmm. a paid professional. Here's the best place to go to get information. In our industry, in our vertical, like home improvement or home construction, residential construction, there are no less than 100 associations out there. And you, many of them you've never heard of before. Like, have you ever heard of the Portland Cement Association? No, I would never. No. It's a huge organization, huge organization. Mm-hmm. Chris, they have got, I can't begin to tell you how many incredible brochures and very technical bulletins that tell you exactly how concrete should be installed, hmm. how, exactly how it should be mixed. Don't you think that's important here? If, in other words, if you're going to spend ten thousand dollars on a driveway, don't you think it's worth investing thirty minutes to find out exactly how it's supposed to be done? Portland, yeah. and it's and it's solid information. It is not heavily biased at all. How about the? How about people who have brick homes? They're, it's called the Brick Industry Association. They have Chris. They have the most incredible library of technical notes that show you exactly how brick is supposed to be installed so that it does not leak water that you could ever imagine it's all free Hmm. all this information free
0: now, is there any place to go to like have a list of all these associations? Right now? I've got them on
1: my website at askthebuilder.com. Oh, great. Perfect.
0: <laughs> that's, that's perfect. I was going to say, if you don't, you should. <laughs> yes.
1: I have it all. So, yeah. So, and I just found out about a new one yesterday that I didn't know about. Yeah. I was at a conference in Portland, Maine. It was, um, and there's a new association about concrete repair. And I didn't even hmm. know that one existed. So yeah, so they it's it's just all about these companies that make amazing concrete repair products. So they want to promote their products, and so they want to tell you the best way to use them, the best way to install them. So go like the California Redwood Association, the Vinyl Siding Institute, the Paint Quality Institute. I could go on and on and on. There so many great associations. So exactly. go get the information for free from these associations. Yeah.
0: And like you said, that's a great way to go learn and then when you get a contractor you can compare it against what they say. Exactly.
1: Perfect. And I can already tell you that 9 out of 10 of the contractors you're going to interview unless you've done what I said about going to the lumberyard, mm-hmm. they're going they they will be doing it wrong. 9 out of 10 are going to do your work the wrong way. So just take the time, go to that local lumberyard and talk it's got to, it's important. You have to talk with the general manager. I don't want you to talk to the person on the counter. You know, when you first walk in and the store clerk there, uh-uh. Yeah. you got to find the general manager. That's who it's, it's got to be that person. And they're happy to talk with you yeah. because you know why? They know that you're going to be buying the materials from them for the job because you're local. Yeah. Duh, it's not hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of people will get in touch with you if they need advice, need to come on the show, all that.
1: Uh, simple, just go to com and once again in the navigation there's that Ask Tim, you know, Ask Tim page, fill out the simple form, your name, email address, I'll get back I'll get right back with you. Simple as that.
0: Cool. Awesome. So thank you so much for being on the show with me today, Tim. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun and very enlightening. I like well, this. It was real, like well, Chris, like it was stuff. my
1: pleasure. I um, I appreciate the invitation, and uh, I'll do my best to pr- promote your show. You know, to okay. all the businesses that I know. You know, here in New Hampshire, there's a lot of really great ones. Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. And uh, we're gonna roll out with a quick word from our sponsors. And uh, everyone, have a fantastic day. So, everyone, do me a favor to grab your phone right now and head over to chrispastern Now, once you're over there, you're gonna get access to our app. So jump on the app, share it with every business, you know, that's make this show something that the state hasn't seen before, which it already hasn't, but we're gonna going to keep growing. We're going to keep doing awesome things. So NHBusinessShow.com slash CarTap or ChrisPastrana.CarTap.com. I think, Yeah. <laughs>